Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. I'd like to welcome uh, Keith Hamilton. Uh, as Christy said earlier, he's the president of Alaska Christian College. Uh, the the college our denomination supports, that we support. Um, it is just a tremendous ministry down there in Kenai area, and we are blessed to have him here to share a little bit about um, what, what he does and what they're doing. And I don't know what I do or what they're doing either. So Yeah, we're going to find out together. Find out and together. Uh, I do want to say, um, Christy said in the bulletin, there's some more information. Um, I think there's even a way to give. Our church gives to the college, but we can only give so much. Um, as the Spirit leads, if anything stirs up in you, I would encourage you guys to give too. Um, it is a wonderful ministry, and it does so much good work um, with kids from around the state. And uh, we are just really grateful uh, that we get to partner with that. As a former high school teacher, um, you know, educational ministries, close to my heart, it's something I care about. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, so, thanks, Pastor Chris. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I brought you an, a, a gift too. This is the 2022 official ACC T-shirt. Yeah. Right there. Okay. Don't get any better than that. It does. Thanks for. Thanks for. Uh, huh? <laughs> don't get too excited. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for making the introduction too. And uh, yeah, today, if, before you leave, if you want to participate in the ministry of Alaska Christian College, you know, First Covenant, a couple of special things about you guys. First of all, you're what we call a legacy church. And the legacy church is a church that's been with us since the beginning that has been giving financially and in prayer and lets us come and speak and share. This is my ninth time preaching at First Covenant. First time I came to Alaska to plant the dream of Alaska Christian College with some other folks from our state, I preached here. It's my very first stop on the trail. So thank you for being a legacy church with us from the very beginning. There's a way for you to give today, as he mentioned, uh, with an envelope. There's also online and a QR code someplace hidden too that you might be able to use to give. But it goes to our scholarship fund. So you think about 100 or so students who come to the college that need that extra uh, support to get to make college happen. Everything you give today goes to the scholarship fund. So thank you. So let me see by way of hand, who has been to our campus before? Raise your hand. Look at that. Over half the congregation has been to our campus. Very, very cool. If you have ever served or you're currently serving at Alaska Christian College, raise your hand. Look at all those hands. Yes, fantastic. Awesome. If you were ever a student at Alaska Christian College, raise your hand. We got any of those today? Sheriff is here. See any others peeking around? Okay, good. Hey, like I said, this church is all in. This is a legacy church of Alaska Christian College. I thought, you know what? It'd be really cool to take you guys on a tour of your college. You own it. You guys deserve a tour of it. So if you watch the screen up here, I'm going to give you an update as you watch um, a little bit about your campus. So Alaska Christian College was founded in 2001. There it goes. 
founded in 2001 with just uh, 16 missionaries and 22 students. We were open five days after 9-11. And since then, we've grown now to over 800 students have walked through our doors since our first day, September 16, 2001. We started with just one building on 10 acres, and today we are starting our 21st building on 30 acres. And as of a week ago, we are currently completely, for the first time in 21 years, debt-free. Alaska Christian College. College owes nobody. Praise the Lord. The campus you see here has been, um, I mentioned, built and been changed and been added to. We have 300 guests coming up this summer to work on our buildings. They stay in our dormitory, they eat in our cafeteria, and we celebrate their hard work to help us to get these building projects along we're doing this summer. This amazing uh, building is where most of our students live, but they also live in these other uh, parts of campus as well. In fact, these two apartment buildings were, were, were donated to the college through some giving, and we're able now to accommodate students in these outside of the campus building uh, area as well. But really exciting about New Hope Counseling Center, my wife Debbie is the founder, and uh, Christy Ivanoff is also founder, co-founder of New Hope Counseling Center, and uh, they serve all the students of Alaska Christian College for free. It doesn't cost anything for a student to attend. The people in the community also come and they pay for their services. This is the uh, Athletic Center site. This is our biggest project in our history. It's a $3 million gymnasium and it will accommodate 18,000 square feet and every one of our students will have a place to play hoops year-round inside when we get it done. We just got the floor done and the steel pilings have started up this week. We also have a proposed chapel. This is phase two. When the gym is done, we're building our first chapel on the campus. We had a family come to us whose mom had just passed away, and they said, we want to do something significant to be able to build uh, at ACC. And they said, what do you need? I said, we need a chapel. And they said, we'll give you a half a million dollars toward the million dollars you need for your chapel, but you have to name it after our mom who passed away. And I said, well, what's her name? And they said, Jezebel. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Her name is Gloria. So the Gloria Chapel. Isn't that a good name? Gloria Chapel. So that's a little bit of your school. Thank you for your prayers, your support. And today we're going to be speaking about some famous last words, the tale of two Carlsons. And some of this will hit home for some of you. But I want to start by saying words mean everything. The words that come out of your mouth mean a lot. I was in Mexico City. I was preaching there. I speak Spanish fluently, and I was speaking to a group of uh, college young people and some adults at a retreat center, and as I was speaking along, I was talking about spiritual gifts, and words mean everything, right? And I kept on saying, tenemos que dar nuestros dones espirituales al Señor, which in Spanish translates, it's important that we give our spiritual donuts over to God, I was using the wrong word. Dones is gifts, spiritual gifts. Donuts are donuts. Well, just like you, the people started laughing. In fact, the girls in the front row, they were cracking up. I'm like, what am I saying wrong? I said, Keith, we don't know how to give our spiritual donuts over to God. Tell us how to do that. So I felt really embarrassed. I said, oh, híjole, estoy muy, muy embarazada. Now in Spanish, embarazada, E-M-B-A-R-A-S-A-D-A, I thought, meant embarrassed. That's not what it means. I just told the whole congregation I was pregnant. Yes, I was pregnant. So words mean everything. And today we're going to look in God's word at Jesus's famous last words. 
by the way of two men named Carlson. And on the screen, we've got a PowerPoint here. We have our first picture here. This man was named Dr. Paul Carlson. Paul was a missionary doctor from the Rolling Hills Covenant Church in southern Los Angeles. 1964, he took his family, Lois, who is still alive today, 94 years old, live today, and their uh, two children headed for Congo, then known as Zaire. And when they got there, there was a rebellion going on in the country, another civil war. They've had many of those. And fortunately, the missionaries all got out of the area that the rebels were coming into, the Simba uh, rebels were coming into. They got safely across the river to the Central African Republic, and the whole family was safe. But Dr. Paul, they named him Monganga. That was his name. Monganga Paul decided, I got to go back. I need to go back to help the people in the hospital that need attention because nobody's there to help them. He went back across the river, the village. They caught him. They had heard that there was a white man in the village who was a mercionaire, which is a mercenary. But no, 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 no. He wasn't, in French, a mercionaire. He was a missionnaire, which is a what? Missionary. They took him down to Leopoldville, which is today uh, Kinshasa. And when they took him, they arrested him. They put him in, in prison with a whole bunch of other missionaries and expatriates from the country. Dr. Or President Lyndon B. Johnson did everything he could to get him out. Paul was on the front page of the Time magazine, a missionary story. And one day, the paratroopers from Belgium landed, came into the city. It was mayhem. Everybody was running. People were breaking out. Paul and other missionaries had a chance. They raced for the wall. As they were going over the wall, Paul's behind a guy trying to get him over the wall. And Paul was riddled with bullets and killed. Paul Carlson's our first covenant missionary to be martyred in Africa. I don't know what Paul's famous last words were before he was killed, but I'm going to guess that it was this. Go! 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 As he's pushing him over the wall. And Jesus' famous last words are the same. To go. This, last, this next picture here is his, is his uh, gravesite. I've been privileged to go to Karawa, Congo, Africa, and I took that picture myself and uh, was honored to be there remembering Paul Carlson, missionary who went before us. But Jesus had Matthew 28, 19 to 20. We know this to be the Great Commission. Go ahead and go to the next slide. I want you to say it with me, everybody. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So this is the end of Matthew. This is the end of, of, of the four Gospels, uh, this part of the Gospels. And Matthew has a chance here to say something really important. He chooses Jesus' famous last words. And he says, we need to go. And in the Greek, that word is an infinitive. You are to go. This is not a, an option. This is not a request. This is a mandate. Jesus said, you are to go. And you are to go while you are going, the Greek says. While you are going, you are to be discipling. You are to be making. And what are you to be making? Well, it doesn't say make Sunday school teachers. It doesn't say make good Christianettes. It doesn't say make good tithers. It says, I want you to make disciples. I want you to make people that are going to follow me, that are going to do what my word says. 
Next screen here has a gentleman that has uh, been dead for a long time because he was killed in a plane crash in the 1980s. We called him the Righteous Rocker. His name was Keith Green. Who remembers Keith Green? Oh, many of you do. Keith said this. Let's say it together. Jesus commands us to go. It should be the exception if we stay. He knew Jesus' famous last words too. That Jesus says you must go. The Great Commission, it should be the exception if we stay. Why do we go? Why do we go? Why do we make? There's this picture of heaven. This is the reason. This is the goal. This is the why Jesus said go and make it his famous last words. Let's say the scripture together, Revelation 7-9. And after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and the Lamb. This is why. This is the goal. This is why we need to go and to make so heaven is full. Because I have a secret for you, church. There are still memberships to be made yet in heaven. Heaven still has openings. There's coming this day when the great scene that will fulfill the purpose of Jesus who came to die for each of us will be this massive humanity that no one can count from the multitude standing before the throne of the Lamb. Jesus said, if you are spiritually born again, you're going to be a part of this great multitude standing before the Lord. You know, John 3.16 gets a lot of press. If you go to a football game, you see the big sign at the, at, at the goalpost. But let's take a look at John 3.17. Let's say it together. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is why also. This is why he, he went. His whole purpose, the Savior's purpose, was to save the world through Christ. Well, we want to be a part of this great multitude. And there's another verse here that helps us to see Jesus saying it again in Mark. Let's say it together. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. How many times does Jesus have to say it? We are to go. We are to make disciples. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to say these words. Don't be a caboose. Go ahead, turn to your neighbor. Say it. Don't be a caboose. <laughs> what is this crazy guy from Soldatna talking about? Don't be a caboose. Here's the story. When Jesus began his ministry, he had 12 disciples. Well, kind of 11 and a half that made it. Um, but these disciples... He started at that point with the apostles, what's known as the apostolic train. That from Jesus to the disciples, to the 500, to the 3,000, all the way through history, there's been this train that's been going all the way down until 1979 when it stopped at my doorstep. Because in 1979, I decided to follow Jesus. I was at a little covenant camp in uh, Leavenworth, Washington named Circle C Ranch. And I made my first time commitment to say, yes, I want to be a part of this great multitude, this family. And at that point, the train was right there. The train had come through the centuries to Keith Hamilton. And I had to make a decision soon thereafter that I want to continue the apostolic train or that I want to be a what? Caboose. And it stops with me. I'll be the last person in that train if I don't tell others about Jesus. The caboose stops right there with me. 
I don't want to be a caboose. Do you? No. We want to go. We want to make, we want to heed, heed Jesus' famous last words. Well, I want to take us over to another passage, a very well-known passage of Scripture, because Jesus not only, at the end of Matthew and in Mark, shared these words to go, but when he's on the mountain now, he's been resurrected, it's 40 days later, are you with me? He's on the mountain there, he's ready to ascend, we call it the ascension into heaven, and he's with the guys and also his mom probably and some other folks that have been following him. A lot of people were there, and then right before he gets taken up, he says these famous last words, the same together, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses, ambassadors in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Star Trek. He gets sent up, right? What do you call that when he did that? Yeah, beam me up. He got beamed up to heaven. You know what? These are actually the very, 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 very last words of Jesus. And we're right back there again. Go and be my witnesses, my ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is somebody who lives in one country, but they choose to go to another country to represent that country. We are to go to the places where Jesus isn't and represent him for our country, for where we come from. He says, I want you to do it in four locations. The first is Jerusalem, right here at home, right in your own home, with your own family, with your extended family. You need to go right here home in Jerusalem. You need to go and make disciples right there, followers of Jesus in your home. And then to go to Judea, the area around your home. Maybe it's the city of Anchorage. Maybe it's your, your neighborhood. You need to go outside what Adam shared about, touch my heart, about the neighbors. I know that they want to be a witness for Christ in their neighborhood. That's their Judea. And then to go to Samaria. Nobody wanted to go to Samaria. Nobody wanted to go because everybody hated the Samaritans. In fact, when people traveled to other parts of Israel, they would go around Samaria to go where they were going to go. They did not want to meet with a Samaritan, talk to a Samaritan, nothing. But Jesus said you need to go with the Samaritans as well. Who are the Samaritans? Well, in our town here, in our area, they are the poor, they're the homeless, they're the sick, they're the imprisoned, to go where no one else will. Will you consider yourself going to Samaria. And then he says the ends of the earth. This is the one that scares everybody. This is the one part of it that everybody says, I don't want to go to Africa if I <laughs> accept God's call to the ends of the earth. But you don't have to go to Africa. There are a lot of places that are considered the end of the earth. In fact, this last fall, Debbie and I were on sabbatical together. We got to go to the ends of the earth. We really, really did. It's a town called Finisterre, and it's in very northwest Spain. And the town is right on the ocean, right in the northwest corner. And in the early days, the days of Jesus, they really only knew that the end of the earth, how far has people had traveled, was northwest Spain. And they called it Finisterre, the end of the earth. So I, I've been to the ends of the earth, which is really, really cool. You know? However, the president, past president of the Covenant Church, Gary Walter, said, Hey, Keith. And I said, What? And he said, You know those globes that we had when we were kids growing up, but in the school classroom, those globes? I said, Yeah, yeah. He says, if you take your finger and you stick it on Jerusalem and you go as far as you can around to the other side of the world to the end of the earth, the farthest you can go, do you know where it is? And I said, no. You know what he told me? Now this I can't verify. You know what he told me? No, Alaska. We're almost at the ends of the earth, friends, if Gary was right. 
And then my covenant missionary friend, Nancy Reed, who's now with the Lord, said this to me one day. I served with her in Mexico City in the mid-1980s as a missionary. She said this. She said, if you want to find out where Jesus is and you're looking for Jesus, then go to the ends of the earth because that is exactly where he is. Are you willing to consider going to the ends of the earth to make disciples, to make Jesus followers? You've heard our story before about our missionary calling to Alaska. We thought we were going to Ecuador, that God was going to call us to a place where it's 78 degrees every day. The sun goes up and down the same time every day. And plus, I'm, I speak Spanish, even though I was pregnant. Um, I can speak Spanish. And instead, God has a great sense of humor, and he called 10 of us missionary families, including the Ivanovs, to start this amazing adventure in Soldotan, Alaska, your college, Alaska Christian College. Nancy Yelm was on our first board back 20-some years ago. We started with just those 22 students. Most of them, as you know, majority, 95% this last year, are Alaska Native. And they come from all over our great state, from villages, but also from Anchorage and from the Kenai. And we started this one-year Bible college that has now become an AA degree accrediting college. We're so thrilled that God has called us to this place. And, you know, we we had to make a decision to be a caboose as a family or to go. We know the Lord was calling. But I want to stop and let you know this. There are excuses why you shouldn't go or you can't go to the ends of the earth, or to Samaria, maybe even Judea. There are excuses, and I want to say this. Unless you know, unless you know by the sure insistence of God that you're being called to leave, you should never go. Because, friends, the most dangerous place to be is just one little millimeter outside of the center of God's will for your life. And many people think they're being called, and they go and have that sure insistence of God touching you fully and saying, you need to go. We have, we have, we have excuses as well, because there might be a, we're in a time of our life where our health just won't allow us to go. There might be a situation with our children that it's not good timing to go. I get that. Maybe you have a situation of just your age is making it difficult for you to consider going at ACC, though, our oldest elder that has come to serve us is 89 years old. And that's pretty old to be coming and working physical labor at, at the college. But I know that there are reasons why some of us can't go. William Carey was a missionary to India in the 1800s, mid-1800s. William Carey, when he was called to India, he uh, got there and realized that it was tough, super, super tough. In fact, when he went to India, there were no other missionaries there, and he got so discouraged that he wrote a letter back home to his church in England, and he said these words. Go ahead, bring them up on the screen. Other way. No? There's no words there? Keep going backwards, then go back to the rope then. Huh, didn't show up. Yep, okay, cool, stay there. Here are his words. Usually the screen has the words, but for some reason it's not there. I am willing, William Carey, I am willing to go down into the pit. But I need the rest of you to hold my rope.
Do you hear that? I'm willing to go be a missionary for you, Lord. I'm willing to go to dark India where nobody else is. But when I'm there, I need you to hold my rope. I, I need you to please pray for me. I'm a single man. I'm struggling with that. I need you to hold the rope because I need more workers. I need more people to come and to help me with this amazing, arduous work that I'm doing. I'm lonely. Please send me people. And in his letter, he says, I need you to send me finances to keep me here. I have gone in your place. I am willing to go down into the pit, but I need the rest of you to hold the rope. And if you aren't able to go, for whatever reason it is, this is your part of going and making disciples is to hold the rope for others who can go in your place. This last, almost last slide is familiar to many of you. I said it's a tale of two Carlsons. This is a place that I visit frequently, and many of you have been to Unalakleet, where it all began in 1887 when the first missionaries landed, missionary landed on the shore of Unalakleet. When actually Carlson got off the boat and, and started to meet people in the village, um, Axel only spoke two languages. One was Russian, because he'd been a missionary to Russia briefly, and the other was Swedish. And he went to the village and said, who here speaks Swedish? I can't believe it. Nobody spoke Swedish in Unalakleet in 1887. But, but he found a young man that spoke Russian. And he asked the young man, he said, would you be willing to translate my black book? into the people's language of your village. And that young man said, yeah, sure, you betcha. <laughs> and began to translate God's word for the people of the village. And as far as we know, the first convert in that village of Unalakleet was a young translator named Stefan. And his last name, as we know, is Ivanov. And his descendants are sitting in this row right over here, the Ivanov family. And that began an amazing mission work across Alaska. When I go to the village of Unalakleet, I always go here to the, to the grave of Axel Carlson. It's a little bit of embarrassing, actually, because when you get there, you realize that all of the missionaries and the other pastors, they're all on these little headstones that are down the tundra. They're covered over by, by, by flowers and, and tundra and things. And here's this huge statue monument in the village, and it's the only one that gets a fence around it. And you're thinking, oh, why did the missionaries do that? Why did they make such a big deal out of Axel Carlson? Until you realize, upon further investigation, that, well, it wasn't the missionaries that did this, but the villagers of Unalakleet, along with the missionaries, built this in honor of Axel Carlson. And the words are archaic and not the best words, but I'm going to tell you what's on the tombstone today. Actually, Carlson, born Sweden, 1853, died Unalakleet, 1910. And here are the famous last words of our friend Axel Carlson, who came, and because of that first covenant exists today, here are the words, what they wrote. When Axel came to our village, there were no Christians. But when he left us, there were no pagans. Axel came because God had sent him to the ends of the earth from Sweden. And he came because he knew what Jesus said in his famous last words, to go and to make disciples of all nations. He went because he wanted to see a church grow throughout the state. And today we have 16 covenant churches throughout our state. We have a 
Bible, Bible camp, a conference center, a radio station, and a little college down in Soldatna that's fighting above its weight class. The Bible today instructs us, commands us, to take heed of Jesus' famous last words to go and to make. How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring the good news. Is Jesus sending you to bring the good news today? perhaps to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, or to the ends of the earth. Because this last slide tells it, tells it all. We have a lot of work to do, friends. There's 7.7 billion people worldwide, and 3.5 billion still live in unreached people groups. If we're going to be a caboose, each one of us, do you realize that Christianity is one generation away from extinction? If we're all cabooses, is that cabooseye in plural? Anyhow, if we're all cabooses, it's over in one generation for Christianity. But you know what? If we go tell everybody we know about the Lord, and we go and we make disciples, we are one generation away from the whole world knowing that Jesus is Savior and Lord. That's our challenge today as individuals and as a church. Everything we do here is about going and making so that heavenly scene becomes a reality, Revelation 7, 9. And I don't know here if somebody might be called out of this congregation to serve. I, I've stood before a lot of people and I've asked who here feels like God is, is touching them, calling them to go and to make. And maybe that's you today. Maybe God has got something on your heart that you've been digging around and he's been touching your heart, or touching your shoulder, tapping you here. It's time to go. I want to pray for you today especially. Let's bow together. Lord, thank you that at age 16 you did come on that great apostolic train and made a way for me to find out who Jesus was. And Lord, it's my desire to serve you all the days of my life, um, telling others about what you've done in my life and what you can do in their life. And Lord, I don't know in this congregation today who you might be touching, but the Holy Spirit, but I know the Spirit works in amazing ways. He's here right now. He's filling this room. And Lord, if you are speaking to anyone today about going and making, becoming a, a person that will commit their lives unto you in service of mission, I, I pray for that person specifically today. God, thank you for the generosity of this church over 21 years of making sure there is a little college down in Soldatna serving Alaska Native people mainly. And Lord, I ask for you to abundantly bless this congregation. God, we want today to say yes if you're calling us to go and calling us to make, as those were your famous last words. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.